Welcome to Girlish Gurus. I'm Joy. And I'm Susan. And we're here to have discussions about topics on many subjects that we hope are informative, uplifting, and fun. So let's get started. Let's. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Girlish Gurus. Hello, hello. I'm Susan. I'm Joy. So we have an interesting topic today. I don't even remember how I came up with the idea of thinking about the discussion of this, but we're going to talk about ageism today. Mm -hmm. And there are two aspects to it, actually. We're probably going to focus primarily on ageism for older individuals, but there's also ageism for young people. Oh, yes. It does exist. And I can remember it happened for me when I was a young person. Oh, me too. Sure. But we'll probably primarily focus on how it affects older individuals today, but a mention here and there of how it affects young people as well. So the primary source for the information that we're going to initially talk about is this study that was done Between the United Nations and, in this case, they joined forces with the World Health Organization to look at how to improve the lives of older people. And again, as I said, they mentioned younger people too, but their families, the communities that they live in, and how we can do a better job of serving older individuals. So the World Health Organization suggests that ageism is a prevalent global problem that contributes to poor health, social isolation, premature death, and high economic costs. The WHO estimates that 6.3 million cases of depression worldwide can be attributed to the effects of ageism. Wow, millions. And again, I'm going to say that that has to do with young individuals as well as older individuals. Without question, absolutely. To me, that was astounding. That number. That is mind-boggling. Right? They focused on some specific areas when they decided to take the initiative for these next 10 years. I guess we're at the very beginning of it, but started in 2021. But the areas they're focused on are age-friendly environments, combating ageism, integrated care, and long-term care. Those were the primary focuses. And I guess in here is where they kind of defined what ageism is. And they say it is stereotyping how we think, prejudice, how we feel, and discrimination, how we act towards people on the basis of their age. It affects people of all ages, but has particularly negative effects on the health and well-being of older people. And that's in this study to prepare how they want to make changes. This is what they found, and this is how they've defined it. And this is more and more of a relevant issue because our over 50 population is growing and growing. That's right. So, And how we choose to look at that population and treat them, to me, is indicative of who we are as a society. Mm. And different cultures treat older individuals differently. Mm -hmm. I think we as Americans probably don't do the best job necessarily. However, we will share the link to this study because it is voluminous. Mm -hmm. It is lots of information. But we are not the worst by far 
I will say. Really? No, we aren't, which is was surprising to me, too. I actually thought we would be, but we're not. Asian cultures tend to actually have a lot of reverence and respect for their older citizens, their older family members. They look to them for wisdom and support. I would also say that is true of the Native American Mm -hmm. cultures. But many others, it's not that way at all, which is a sad statement, (laughs) really. I'm going to take a look at one of the areas of the report that talked about the different sectors and where we see ageism and how it plays out. So the three big areas they cited that it's seen most prevalently or most easily recognized, I guess, is in health and social care, in the work environment, Mm -hmm. and in the media. That's not surprising. No. So in health and social care, I'm going to kind of talk about how young people are affected by it and then how older people are. The positive aspects for younger people in health and social care are they are healthy, they're physically active, they're strong and energetic. The positives for older people are they're usually seen as warm and likable, right? That's how their stereotype is. The negative stereotypes for young people are that they are risk takers, they're drug users, they're stressed and anxious. For older people, it's that they're rigid, they're irritable and frustrating, they're lonely and isolated, they're frail and weak, they're asexual, they're easily confused, they're depressed and depressing, hmm. they're needy, and they're disabled. In a work environment, Somewhat similar, it can happen that younger people are seen as more energetic, ambitious, tech savvy, hardworking, where older people are looked at as these are the positives, reliable, committed, experienced, hardworking, socially skilled, good mentors and leaders and able to deal with change. The negatives are for young people, narcissistic, disloyal, entitled, lazy, unmotivated, easily distracted. For older people, incompetent and unproductive, unmotivated, uh, resistant to change, harder to train, unable to learn, not flexible, not technologically competent. Well, I can tell you that my dad, who's 85, he has no idea how to operate his iPhone. (laughs) So, I mean, while these are stereotypes, I mean, some of these statements are true on both sides. Sure, of course. the young person's side and the older person's side, I think. But we, as a society, have to change our mindset in stereotyping people as this way or this way and just be looking at each individual as an individual, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's how we're going to combat the ageism, I think. Mm -hmm. Positives for young, they're attractive, healthy. For older people, it could also be the same healthy, engaged, productive, self-reliant. The negatives for young people are they're troublesome, violent criminals. For older people, it is unattractive, unhappy, senile, badly dressed, inactive, dependent, unhealthy, disempowered and poor, vulnerable, and diabolical. Diabolical? I don't know how that made the list, but Hmm. it's on there. So anyway, there are so many positive and negatives in both, but I think we tend to focus on the negative on the older people more likely than not, and the positives 
on the young mm-hmm. people. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a conversation we could continue to have over and over again, especially you and I, who are 50 and over. In the world of women, <laughs> it is not a great thing to age, and it's a great thing to be young. Mm-hmm. So I can see where in the that environment, particularly as women, we are taught that it's good to be young and it's not great to be older. Whereas the difference for men is it's always good to be a man. <laughs> It's true. And as they age, they are many times looked at as becoming more handsome, distinguished, more virile, Mm -hmm. more distinguished, right? Where Mm -hmm. we as women are looked at, like if you have gray hair or it used to be, I think it is getting better, used to be that that was like the, oh my gosh, she's got gray hair, cover it. Cover it. Dye your hair. Right. Yeah. Why would you want to look old with gray mm-hmm. hair? And that just isn't the case. I I know people who have gorgeous hair. They don't color their hair. It's gray and it is beautiful and they look beautiful. So, yeah, there's definitely a double standard mm-hmm. when it comes to women and men and the aging process, which is a whole nother. Oh, entirely. Uh, yeah. Discussion. We can talk about that. Right. We could we could devote multiple podcasts to that topic. <laughs> right. But the three ways to kind of look at how we see ageism as individuals is, well, we receive it from institutional sources, right? So mm-hmm. that would be anything like the government, like the medical community, mm-hmm. financial institutions, legal institutions, housing, technology, anything. It's everywhere. Anything. It's everywhere, yes. But then we also have it where it's self-directed. So we're mm. actually look at ourselves and go, oh, I'm just so old. That's why I'm, you know, we do do direct it towards ourselves sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then it's also interpersonal. So between individuals or groups of people. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of the three ways I think that we and this is what the report talks about, how we experience it. And we can be our own worst critics yeah. critics when it comes to that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think you're this way, too, Joy, but I don't think about my age like I don't think of that number when I hear it. Sometimes I go, no, <laughs> I can't be that old. I am not that old because in my mind, I am not. Same here. I feel like my life experience, what I've gained from everything I've experienced in my life has given me so much wisdom and knowledge. And I am so appreciative of that. Mm -hmm. In my case, peace. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Peace. Mm -hmm. Without a doubt, peace. And I know I'm very fortunate. I'm healthy. Oh, yes. Physically. So I don't. You're gorgeous. (laughs) So I don't feel, you know, probably my age, right? But I know that some people struggle with disease and sometimes those physical ailments can probably make you feel older than you even are, right? No matter what your age. So like I said, there's a ton of information in that initial report, which we will share with you. I'm not sure anybody will want to read through that old thing, but there is some really fascinating information available. And we'll get back to it in a minute because they talk about how they see us as a society making improvements so that this doesn't continue to happen Mm -hmm. right but another article that was in very well mind which we'll share the primary areas they mentioned were in the workplace and in healthcare. one of the statistics they listed 
which, well, two of them were kind of surprising to me, was that almost a quarter of all claims filed by workers are related to age-based discrimination. Hmm. So 25%, which is interesting. And then ARP, which was cited in this article, I'm sure everybody knows who ARP is, American Association for Retired People. They talked about reports that were done cite that one in every five workers in the United States is over the age of 55 and nearly 65 percent of workers say that they have experienced age-based discrimination at work and 58 percent of those believe that ageism became apparent starting at age 50 Hmm. in the workplace interesting but i could see that i can see that i can see that age-related discrimination becomes apparent starts at around the age of 50 because retirement age used to be 55 right? right used to be Well, and I think, too, our culture has focused on young people and go-getters and that they have the energy to go out there and make things happen. And we've kind of devalued what older workers bring to the table. Well, that's true. But we also have more and more older workers because folks can no longer afford to retire at 55. Well, that is true. They have to continue working well into their 70s, at least. Yes. And some even beyond to supplement Social Security. Well, okay. So therein lies one of the areas where this has become a problem, right? We as a society, are we able to support older individuals the way we need to? Mm -hmm. Right? Do we have the means to do that any longer? People are living longer, yes. Mm -hmm. But they are also now more responsible for their retirement years where people used to have pensions that would take care of that thing. That's gone by the wayside, except in like, you know, you talk about the police, teachers, military, fire department, those kinds of jobs. Mm -hmm. They still have pensions. But even those are sectors are starting to get away from they can't afford it right employer funded pensions and putting the focus on employee right states cities can't afford to support those accounts any longer because people are living longer it's expensive Mm -hmm. and healthcare has improved enough where people are staying healthy Mm -hmm. longer so Mm -hmm. and those pension plans were not designed to support someone for another 30 years after they retire, right? So that you've got that whole issue. But I just think there's so much wisdom in these older workers, so much knowledge they have that they can impart. And yes, technology has stepped up. Like I can speak for the industry that I spent most of my career in, which is insurance. It's definitely geared more towards using data and information in technology and more away from individual knowledge Mm -hmm. and decision making. However, there are pieces where that is still valuable. Oh, yes, and absolutely. Needed, right. But, you know, what the pandemic did was cause a lot of these people to retire. So that knowledge base has left the industry. And now right. they're like scrambling, scrambling for that knowledge and support. Anyway, so let me just cite another fact here. The American Psychological Association says that ageism is a serious issue and should be treated the same as sex, race, and disability-based discrimination. Mm-hmm. And I think it has become that. Oh, well, I think it's it's always been that. It's just... We've not recognized right, it as... Right, or been able to articulate it. Right. Right. 
There's a lot that can be done. We can certainly improve how we look at this in other individuals. That's a good point. Let's take a couple of minutes to talk about solutions or ways we can address this or things that we can do. Well, some of the things in the World Health Organization report that I thought they are focusing on as strategies to reduce ageism, I'll just cite these and then we can maybe talk about them a little bit. The first one they said is policy and law, Mm -hmm. which doesn't always work, but it's a starting point, right? They talk about to address discrimination and inequality in human rights laws, but then you have to enforce those. Mm-hmm. And that becomes an issue, right? We call that an unfunded mandate. Yeah, right? <laughs> right. So I don't know how well that is actually going to work, but it I guess it is a starting point. It brings up awareness, if nothing right. else, right? Educational interventions. To me, that's, that's going to be the most important thing. Yeah. A key way of doing this, right, is educating people on what it means and why it's not good for any of us on either side of the equation. Right. For to do it to the young or to do it Mm -hmm. to older individuals, because we both contribute to society. Both sides contribute. Right. And we need to recognize Mm -hmm. that. The last one they are working to implement is intergenerational contact interventions. Ah, I love this one. I was wondering if this was going to pop up at some point. Yeah, I love it, too, because I think that may be the best way. It's Mm -hmm. just like with any prejudice or stereotype that you have, if you bring two people together who may have that opinion of one another and they interact, the likelihood they're going to walk away still feeling the same is highly unlikely. Mm-hmm. Is reduced, I would is say. Is reduced, I'm sorry. Yes. yes, is reduced by, I would say, by quite a lot. Right. In mm-hmm. most cases. Mm-hmm. So if you can figure out ways to bring the generations together to interact more and support one another. I think that would be a great solution because then you got the benefits of youth and the tech ability combined with the wisdom and experience and knowledge of an older generation. And man, what a powerful combination. Mm-hmm. Think about that for a second. Right. That's a one-two punch. Well, When I was working at my last company, I was a member of the senior management team, and we had a mentorship program at the company. And I volunteered to be part of that and mentor one of our younger workers, and I was excited to do it. And when we, she and I first started meeting, and she's such an amazing young woman, she's smart and ambitious and creative and just a whiz. One of the first things I said to her is, you know, this is not a one-way street here. I'm hoping to learn as much from you as you are hoping to learn from me. So please keep that in mind Mm -hmm. that I want you to share information with me that you think could be helpful to me in doing a better job here as much as I want to help you maneuver and uh, navigate navigate your mm-hmm. career and your position here. Mm-hmm. And we had both had such a great experience during that mentorship program. I loved it. Yeah. So three of the recommendations that were made, and these get kind of technical, but I'll go ahead and recite them. And then I want to talk about some more fun things I found that are happening out there that we'll give you access to looking at as well. But these are from the WHO Global Report on Ages. Every time you say WHO, I think, you know, Horton, here's a WHO. who? who? <laughs> I think, you know, what I think of Dr. is that... <laughs> 
I don't know why, but I keep thinking of the Tootsie Pop owl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so these are the recommendations for action that the World Health Organization (laughs) Global Report on Ageism included. And recommendation one is to invest in evidence-based strategies to prevent and tackle ageism. Recommendation two, improve data and research to gain a better understanding of ageism and how to reduce it. Again, we're back to the data, Mm -hmm. how we're collecting it, what it is, and how we can use all of that in a positive way. And then the third element is to build a movement to change the narrative around age and aging. And that's up to us as individuals. Well, I think you and I are kind of helping with that, doing what we're doing. I hope so. You're turning 60 this year. Yes, I I just turned 50. And look at us podcasting like a couple of bosses. (laughs) And having fun doing it. Oh, having loads of fun. And not just podcasting. Mm -hmm. Video, social media, Mm -hmm. all those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I'm having a ball. I'm making mistakes, but I'm learning. I look at the camera today. It's a little wonky. I mean, it is what it is. And in a way, that's great because I used to have so many issues with making mistakes. Oh, same here. Perfectionism. Yes. Yes. Still Ooh. still can drive me insane, but mm-hmm. was really bad before. And now I'm just like, oh, oh well. We're going to make a mistake. On. I'll right. do better next time. This is what I mm-hmm. learned from it. Okay. Let's move on. The typo in the makeover video. Oh, I'm still kicking myself <laughs> about that. My bad. But you're right, because that comes from age and experience and wisdom. That's right. And because mistakes are going to happen, and that's how it is. We are not perfect. We are not, but this Human is... Human beings are not perfect. Correct. But this is so much fun. It is so fun. The whole thing is, you know, we do have to change the narrative around it. Mm-hmm. It's the only way it's going to get better. Well, let me share some fun things I found in an article. This is from one of my favorite organizations that I repeatedly go back to for information. <laughs> the Global Wellness Summit. I just love looking at the research they do, the information mm-hmm. they provide. And they had an article that I will share, and it's in their trends area. It says, companies target the 55 plus with the cool products and campaigns once reserved for millennials. Hmm. So I thought, wow, this is great. This is great news. And so there's several articles in some major publications. I'm not going to go through a lot, but I am going to read like the basic headline and the publication or organization that published this study. And then we'll provide this for you to look at these articles. So the first one is the new emerging 50 plus unpacking the most powerful discerning consumer in history. Wow. And that's part of... Holy cow. Think about that for a second. It's true, though. So this is from the Global Wellness Summit keynote speaker. And what it says, this was in at the October 2019 Global Wellness Summit. David Harry Stewart, the CEO of Aegis, explained how the 50 plus are the most discerning moneyed consumer segment the world has ever known and how this tribe is global and mobile and their numbers and power are rapidly growing. Holy cow. That's a statement right there. You go. That's right. So, But it's, he, he's not wrong. No, he's not. He's look, absolutely right. Look at you and me. And it's the baby boomers. They've got tons of money to spend. They want to spend it. They want to travel. They want to go have fun. And they are healthy. Yes. Tech savvy. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I, it's interesting. And it says for companies that get them, they're the biggest business opportunity of our time. Holy cow. Ooh, I got goosebumps on that Ooh. one. 
which is true again. Hmm. So there you go. Mm-hmm. So the next little article they cite is our. Ba- I thought this one was funny. Are baby boomers the next Kardashians? <laughs> and this was in Forbes. And the little headline for it is why we need to rethink everything about baby boomers from the fact that they spend more time online than millennials <laughs> to how they control the majority of disposable income. Details how boomers are the new influencers and they're not just promoting old people brands. They're collecting collaborating with the likes of Chanel and H&M. So there again, mm-hmm. don't well, underestimate us. Right, that's right. <laughs> well, look, some of those big name brands are bringing back, like, for example, Isabella Rossellini. Mm. She was the face of, was it Lancome? She was gone for, I don't know, 20 years. And then they contacted her and asked her to come back and be a brand ambassador again. Mm. And so she got back into that role as an older person Mm -hmm. and has been in some of their marketing materials lately. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the next one is don't underestimate the market power of the 50 plus crowd. And this is the Harvard Business Review. This article explores the ageism that has plagued marketers and the profound disconnect between the over 50 spending power and the pathetic amount of marketing budgets only five to ten percent devoted to winning them over Mm -hmm. think about that Mm -hmm. so 90 to 95 percent of marketing budgets don't even include those of us over 50. This particular article goes on to say, or the headline of it says, how marketers have gotten the messages all wrong, blitzing them with ads about the health decline when they want info on great hip hotels in Rome or nearby wellness retreats. Thank you. Right? (laughs) So they aren't getting it. Because unfortunately, probably a lot of the people in the marketing industry are young, aggressive individuals Mm -hmm. and they aren't asking that's right right what do we need to be focused on for Mm -hmm. people over 50 they don't understand where the money is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so the next one is from the guardian this is what 70 looks like the new generation of beauty influencers and this says that fed up with ageism in the industry the most exciting new voices in beauty blogging are over 60 Wow, that's right. The last one is from the New York Times, and it is, Older people are ignored and distorted in ageist marketing report finds. And this says, Recent research from AARP exposed how older people are shunned and caricatured in marketing images, perpetrating unrealistic stereotypes and contributing to age discrimination. So not only are they ignoring us, but when they are including us, they're adding to this problem of age discrimination. Mm -hmm. They need to... Stop doing that. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm one to talk there because I do a podcast called Everyday Macaroni where we're talking about having dinner with my husband's parents who are in their 80s, and we make a lot of jokes about it. (laughs) But that's because they're funny. And both of his parents are still sharp and they have, you know, they forget things sometimes, but um, they're funny and it's entertaining. So that's why we do that podcast and we make that content. But I agree with that. When you have that negative perception of how older people operate in the world and you perpetuate it, that's that's not a good thing. You need Mm-mm. to 
maybe change that up, please. <laughs> yeah, right. So anyway, to me, to see all these articles and things bringing attention to this problem outside of this huge report from the World Health Organization and the fact that they're focusing on this issue, these other articles that are under raising our attention again, to the fact that this is a problem, more people need to be paying attention to this because we're not going away. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you should be paying more attention because we're going to be the ones spending the money. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's really something to think about. It, it is. is. I know. So we wanted to leave you on those positive notes because I don't think all is lost here. Oh, no. There's yeah. just drawing attention to this. Mm -hmm. Raising awareness, having a discussion educating mm -hmm. around it is so important. And the one thing I just want to leave you all with is that if we can't overcome this prejudice we have as far as the ageism, again, I'm going to point out for younger people as well as for older people, we're going to be in a heap of trouble. It's just one of those other things we need to focus on being better at. Mm -hmm. I agree. That wasn't good English, but that... <laughs> That's okay. There's no there's no grammar police up here in the podcasting room. And that's fine. Because it can be detrimental to sure. those who are on the receiving end of it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. but let's leave on the good notes of all those articles that point out that there is so much available to those of us who are in that over 50 community. Yep. And we still have a lot to contribute, a lot to experience. And we're going to be out there doing it. And vlogging about it. <laughs> or podcasting, I'm just saying. Or whatever, right? right. So yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And you know, now is an excellent opportunity for us to promote our friend Lorraine's retreat. So if any of you have been listening to the podcast for a while, and we hope you all have, you know, we have had Lorraine Miano. Yes on as a guest a couple of times mm -hmm. and she is a menopause focused health coach and she is wonderful she we is. love her so much <laughs> she's wonderful she and leslie ender have created a retreat for women who are 45 and older and it's called Amble and Rove Through Your Magical Menopause. <laughs> I just love it. I think it's hysterical. It's October the 15th through the 21st, and it's in Italy. Yes. Tuscany. So we're going to put a link in the notes of this podcast episode, and we'll put links for all of the articles and right. information in the notes. But this is an inexpensive retreat, and there's going to be so much good stuff. We're going to continue to promote it until the seats are sold and i think they're filling up pretty quickly yeah they are filling up quickly so if you are interested please reach out through the link and um, secure your spot mm -hmm. and here are some of the things that are included in this trip what do you hear yeah you're going to visit quaint medieval villages <laughs> you're going to tour florence possibly have access to a massage i'm just saying You'll have a wine tasting and tour, truffle hunt, cooking classes. You're going to do some yoga and meditation, two of my favorite things. Some workshops on holistic health and navigating midlife. All of your meals are included, and I'm sure there's going to be a fair amount of wine and other activities. And if you have a girlfriend or a sister that you would like to take on this trip with you, this would be a great opportunity for 
a couple of you to go or a, a small group, but right. you're going to have to sign up quickly because the rooms are going fast. Yeah, she has some singles, um, some doubles, and I think maybe one triple left. Mm, one one tri- or two. Yeah, yeah, one or two triple rooms left. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we, we hope you check will at least check it out and see if it's something of interest to you. Yes. Uh, sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope that this podcast was informative mm-hmm. and at the end, at least uplifting because there is hope. And I think just putting attention on this topic is the first step. And, mm-hmm. and we're there. We are. We're so, there. yay. Just like anything else, it's always fun talking to you about something. <laughs> We could go on and on. We could, definitely. Anyway, please send us your questions, your thoughts in the comment section. We'd love to hear from you all. Or email, via email. Mm -hmm. Or via email, too. Or ideas for new topics for our podcast. Yeah, let us know what you'd like us to talk about. And you can find us on social media, too, to help with that. Yes. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Girlish Gurus. We hope you'll join us next time for another fun and interesting topic. And please be sure to check the notes for information and links that were included in this discussion today. Also, don't forget you can find us on our social media platforms, starting with Instagram, Facebook, and now including YouTube. You can find us by searching Girlish Gurus. And please remember to give this episode a good review and share it with your girlfriends because the more interaction we get with our podcast episodes, the more episodes we can post. Finally, you can find us on our website, girlishgurus.com. Thanks again. See you next time. Bye.